Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Another day, another strike target by the UAW, this time a GM plant in Texas. What hotels are doing in Los Angeles in preparation for a strike? And today on the show, latest from the Heat and Frost Insulators, LMCT, Labor Management Trust, and Trades Women Build Nations, the conference coming up in December. Welcome to the Wednesday, October 25th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Pete Almini, our first guest on the show today, he comes to us from the International Association of Heat and Frost Insulators. That's the uh, Labor Management Trust, and we'll get an update on the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act that uh, Pete is very passionate about. Mechanical insulation is the one thing, the one thing that goes into a building and starts paying for itself as soon as the system is activated. Very similar to insulating your home. It's one of those, well, you can pay me now or pay me later. Now, this legislation would put mechanical insulation in all federal buildings. We're looking at 355 thousand buildings in the United States of America. So the bottom line is it's going to save taxpayer money. And right now, Pete is working both sides of the aisle. He was also at a conference in Chicago recently with the Association of Facility Engineers. And uh, what that discussion was about was talking to school facility managers that represent over three hundred schools and this was pretty much a uh, education conference because Pete reports they were amazed at the benefits and the cost savings that mechanical insulation can provide money saved with mechanical insulation can afford schools districts schools and districts to buy other needed initiatives like certain technologies and products that can offer security to a school district so we'll get into all of that with Pete. Later in the show, we're going to check in with Gina Walsh. Gina is also with the Insulators. She is a deputy director of the Labor Management Trust, works with Pete very closely. But she is going to zero in on the upcoming Trades Women Build Nations Conference. Last one was very, very successful. It took place in Las Vegas. This one, the first three days of December, December one through December 3rd in Washington, D.C., and uh, the committee, pretty broad, pretty broad. You got the Iron Workers with Vicki O'Leary, who's the chair of the committee. Got representatives with the IBEW, the Teamsters, the Bricklayers, Elevator Constructors, Painters and Allied Trades, Lyuna, Labor's International, Cement Masons, Smart, the Sheet Metal Workers, Plumbers and Pipe Fitters on behalf of the United Association, the Roofers, Operating engineers and the boiler makers. And we are seeing more and more women get involved in the trades because, number one, we need more people. We'll take anybody right now. 
And this, again, is a skill that you will learn and nobody can take away from you. And on behalf of NABTU, the North American Building Trades, they are really making a huge push to get women, minorities, people of color involved in the trades because, once again, as Dorsey Hager always put it, it's a pathway to the middle class. So uh, lots on the uh, heat and frost insulators today and also diversity into trades, specifically the Trades Women Build Nations Conference. Now a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. $17 billion in assets under advisement. Serving the needs of Taft-Hartley funds, corporations, public funds, endowments, foundations, as well as religious organizations. Well, the United Auto Workers expanded its strike against Detroit automakers again with a walkout yesterday at one of General Motors' largest and most profitable factories, marking the second straight day, second straight day of escalation by the union. We're talking 5,000 workers who walked out at GM's Arlington, Texas assembly plant. This happened yesterday morning. Plant makes several large sport utility vehicles, including the Chevrolet Suburban and Tahoe, GMC Yukon, Cadillac Escalade, which, by the way, are GM's highest profit margin vehicles in the world. Walkout came within few hours of GM's release of third quarter earnings, which showed net income declined 7% to $3.1 billion. Sean Fain, president of the union, cited GM's earnings report in announcing the move and said the company's latest contract offer just doesn't go far enough in sharing profits with workers. This is what he said. It's time GM workers and the whole working class get their fair share. GM called the strike at the plant unnecessary and irresponsible. Company said it gave the union an offer last week that sweetened a previous proposal that the automaker had described as a record contract. And the company said in a statement, it is time for us to finish this process. Well, the strike, the unannounced strike, I might point out here, came a day after 6,800 UAW workers walked out of a suburban Detroit factory where Chrysler parent Stellantis makes Ram pickup trucks. Again, a very profitable line. The walkouts, back-to-back walkouts together, marked the sharpest escalation of the union strike since it began in mid-September. Right now, 45,000 factory workers are now on picket lines across GM, Stellantis, and Ford, nearly one-third of their unionized workforce. Companies have temporarily laid off several thousand more workers, citing effects from plants that are on strike. And the inventory of SUVs produced in Arlington at that GM plant is already pretty thin at roughly half of GM's overall level of vehicle stocks, according to uh, industry figures. Dealers have complained for years about the difficulty of getting enough of the large SUVs to satisfy satisfy customer demand. The uh, three Detroit automakers are currently in parallel talks with the UAW on new contracts. We're talking four-year contracts. And as of last week, the wage increases are around 23% over the life of the contracts. Now, Sean Fain said he is holding out for more 
and continues to press for inflation protections, better pay for temporary workers, and a faster increase in the pay scale for new hires. During GM's earnings call yesterday, their CEO, Mary Barra, reiterated that GM's offer would pay most of its factory workers $40.39 an hour by the end of the contract term, or we're talking about $84,000 a year. That's after four years. Accepting unsustainable high costs that would put our future and the GM team members' jobs at risk is simply something I will not do. That came right from the CEO's mouth, Mary Barra. So far, that strike has hurt GM's bottom line by $800 million, about a quarter of which came in the third quarter. This is a tough one. In the meantime, we do have some good news from the UAW. 1,100 members who make tanks and armored vehicles for General Dynamics reached a tentative agreement with the company. The workers are members of five UAW locals across three regions, Region 2B, Region 1, Region 9. We're talking uh, Lima, Ohio, Sterling Heights, Michigan, Scranton, PA. After weeks of negotiations, which were contentious at times, and a strike authorization vote with 97% of members voting in favor, workers have won a four-year deal that provides a 14% wage increase, protects against inflation with a folded-in COLA, cost of living allowance that equals 11% of the top wage with automatic COLA fold-in in the future. Membership will hold a ratification vote on the agreement with further details to be announced. Let's go to uh, Los Angeles now where hotels are hiring refugees and asylum seekers from homeless shelters. Why? To break a strike by Unite Here Local 11. This is according to reporting by the LA Times. Migrant workers, including minors, report being hired without knowing the name of the staffing agency hiring them or their hourly wage. Now, Local 11 organizers visited a shelter on Skid Row in order to make common cause with the unhoused workers, helping them create resumes so they can seek longer-term employment. The union's members and leaders have made a lack of affordable housing in the Los Angeles area a centerpiece of their strike. That's amazing. Meanwhile, President Biden has asked Congress to increase the Department of Labor's budget by $100 million in order to combat a historic surge in illegal child labor. Letter from the White House describes the funds as necessary to, quote, protect migrant children from dangerous and exploitive labor arrangements, end of quote. Thousands of migrant children have been working long hours and risking grisly workplace injuries, a trend which accelerated during the pandemic and has become an open secret in industries like meatpacking. Funding shortfalls at the DOL have hamstrung the government's response to the child labor crisis, and the Republicans 
Well, first of all, we don't have anything going on in the House. But um, they don't want to give any more money to the Labor Department, and they want to eliminate all funding for OSHA. I mean, well, not all of them. I know there's one rep in Arizona that said, let's just dump all that. We don't need OSHA anymore because companies know what to do when it comes to job safety. Hey, these are elected officials. All right, we have to take a break. When we come back, Pete Almini on behalf of the Heat and Frost Insulator. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. You cannot change the business model as much as it has changed and not expect the contract to change too. It's crazy. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be replaced by machines. So the jig is up, AMPTP. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. Let's go. You share the wealth because you cannot exist without us. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. All right, let's go to... Line number one, welcome a dear friend, longtime supporter and sponsor of America's Workforce. That would be Pete Almini on behalf of the Heat and Frost Insulators. National website is insulators.org. 
And Pete is the executive director of the Labor Management Trust. That website is Mechanical Insulators, that's plural, Mechanical Insulators, LMCT.com. And uh, Pete, first off, we got to do a shout out here to my Jersey guy. How we doing, my brother? Hey, how you doing today? We're doing great. We have 70-degree weather here in northeastern Ohio, and I hear it's going to snow next week. So that's, uh, that's how it is in the fall in uh, northeastern Ohio. And uh, Pete is obviously from New Jersey. Are you getting some of that warm weather over there as well? Uh, it's, but we had a cold snap. It's going to be cold for another day or cool, but we're going to get that warm weather that you're experiencing right now, probably tomorrow and then into the weekend. Okay, so good. good. Well, this is a good time to talk about insulation. I'm not talking about insulation in your home, although people should do that. We're talking about mechanical insulation and the Mechanical Insulation Act, the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act. For the last couple of shows, you've been giving us updates on that, and I know you're working the hill, which is which is not easy these days, especially in the house. So <laughs> that's another conversation. But anyway, where do we stand? right now as far as getting this over the finish line. Go ahead. Well, there were two days in October. I spent the entire day on Capitol Hill uh, speaking to congressmen and congresswomen about uh, supporting the bill. And uh, I hit, there were like over 20, 20 visits so far. In fact, next week, next Wednesday, I'm going back in there and I got 12 more to be able to hit. And uh, what we're doing uh, is going to both sides of the aisles, uh, R's and D's. Uh, right now we're hitting everyone on the Energy and Commerce Committee. That's where the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act is, uh, HR 4663. It's in the committee and we're trying to influence everyone on the committee and uh, answer their questions, answer their concerns on, you know, what the bill is about. And overwhelmingly, uh, I got I got support from uh, Republicans and Democrats. It's really a it's a no brainer. Um, in fact, the biggest question is people ask me, uh, the congressional staff people, is why wasn't this already in our legislation? And I said, well, that's a great question. And uh, I don't want to spend time trying to do the research on why it wasn't. I want to spend the time moving forward and making part of our legislation. And let's make sure that our federal buildings that are owned by um, the taxpayers and maintained by the taxpayers, let's make sure that they're as energy efficient as possible. And uh, it's amazing how mechanical insulation will pay for itself within within two years and less than two years and uh this is this is taxpayers money that we're talking about the bill is only two pages long and uh, when i say that uh, uh, i i enjoy watching the reaction from the from the uh, uh, congress office staffs you know it's not four thousand pages or forty thousand pages it's two pages and it's pretty well straightforward and it's not it doesn't even cost anything to be able to have um, the inspection done and to make sure that our mechanical systems are properly running efficiently. And uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to 
uh, next Wednesday. I got 12 congressional visits, and I love being part of labor. I love to be able to walk in there and be able to educate them on what the facts are. And you now let's get past, you know, I'm, fr I'm from the International Union, and typically they don't want to hear stuff from the union, but the way this lays out, it's not a union, non-union thing. It's a it's a common sense thing that should be addressed by all of us. So we're, we're doing good with that. And um, on another front, we uh, possibly may have, we probably will have another bill introduced uh, later this week or possibly next week uh, from Linda Sanchez, um, Brian Fitzpatrick, um, Republican out of Pennsylvania, Linda Sanchez is from California, and we've been speaking with them, and we want to have another bill uh, that's called the uh, Mechanical Insulation Installation Incentive Bill. And what this is going to do is offer a uh, tax credit or relief in paying taxes up to 10% of the mechanical insulation that's installed uh, either by the taxpayer, and can, that can also be a company or corporation or a facility or building owner, and they would receive a tax credit for installing mechanical insulation. Uh, I don't have a bill number on that, but that's going to be introduced to hopefully within the week, and we're excited Good. about that as well. So we're going to have two yeah. bills, uh, which was, for us, it's groundbreaking history. We never had two bills at the same time uh, promoting mechanical insulation. So we're, we're real excited about this, Flash. Well, you should be. You should be. Why don't you refresh our listeners, if you don't mind, on cost savings here? You, you mentioned the two-year period. You know, once, you know, obviously there's upfront cost in, in installing the mechanical insulation, and then there's the cost savings. So can you sure. get into that uh, those figures? I'm sure you. I'm sure you're you're pretty prolific on this because you're doing a lot of educating over there in Washington with uh, with members, whether they're on the right or the left on this issue. Absolutely, any any part of the mechanical system, and let's let me define what the mechanical system is. That's the the heating or the cooling systems of any building, and the furnace, the boiler, the chiller, the HVAC units, the piping, the ductwork. By the way, when we talk about a building, even you take, for example, a, a hospital building, um, typically there's over 17 miles of insulated piping um, in a hospital. You go to a uh, an office complex or a manufacturing complex, there could be more. Studies have shown that 10 to 30 percent of mechanical insulation is missing in each, each of these buildings. It'll vary. And insulation is going to be missing for various reasons. One, it may not have been insulated properly to begin with. It might have been removed to uh, service the pipe. It might have been removed because whatever reason somebody wanted to take it off or it could just not be properly maintained. And if you take a, and there's a lot of variables that go into the calculations, but I'll just give you a quick example. You got a, a four inch pipe 
that's carrying um, uh, 400 degrees of steam, which is pretty common in most buildings that use steam for heating. That one foot of insulation missing may cost anywhere up to four to $600 per foot. Now, one foot of missing insulation may not seem that much, but it's costing $400. Now, you take that one foot and you multiply times the total footage of missing. As I just said, you take a hospital with 17 miles, and if, if 10% missing, that's 1.7 miles of uh, pipe that should be insulated that if it's costing four or $500 per linear foot, you can see how it's going to add up to, to six, seven, sometimes even eight figures of uh, wasted energy. And it's low-hanging fruit to be able to put a piece of insulation on that pipe or in that boiler or on that ductwork. And it's, it's, so, it's such low-hanging fruit is that the cost of doing that, when you include the labor, when you include the materials, and let's be honest, there's a contractor involved, and the contractor's got to make money. But even if you include the contractor cost, the, the owner is going to receive that money back in energy savings all within probably two years, probably less, probably less. But even if it takes two years, the next 10 years, all that money is going to be saved. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a number that is incredible, but people just don't realize it. It's hidden in their in their building expenses, it's, it's hidden in the utility bills, people don't even see it. And as well as, uh, because the uh, mechanical system is working not as efficient as it could be, that also means it's working harder and longer than it has to be. So we're burning more fuel. And if we're burning more fuel, that also means more emissions are going to be put into the atmosphere. So for the people that are concerned, as we all should be, about the environment, this is going to be something that benefits the environment as well. And you take a little bit in each building and you put it all together and you look at all of the buildings in our country, you're talking about a, a substantial amount of energy savings, cost savings, and reduction of pollution. And there's a fourth element that also is important, and, and it's hard to equate this, but and it, it's really common sense. If that unit and that system is working harder and longer than it has to be, that's also going to shorten the life of that mechanical system, shorten the life of the boiler, shorten the life of the air conditioning unit. Instead of lasting um, 20 to 25 years, maybe we can make it last 30, 35 years, even 40 years. The, the cost of replacing the mechanical system is immense. And the mechanical insulation is going to help extend the life of that. And that's a cost savings that you're not going to hear from the people selling you the mechanical equipment. They want, you, they want to replace that equipment on a, on a routine basis every 15 to 20 years. They're not going to push the fact that mechanical insulation can save the the life cycle time or extend the life cycle time of the mechanical equipment. So um, as you know, Flash, I can talk forever on this. We have a little, only a limited amount of time, but uh, it pays for building owners and facility owners 
and taxpayers to find out more about what mechanical insulation can do. It offers a tremendous amount of, of benefits at a relatively cheap price. Mechanical Insulators, LMCT.com, for the information that Pete's talking about. We'll continue with him. He recently went to Chicago to talk to school facility managers. And, you know, schools in America, they're all looking to save money. He'll talk about that next. Later in the show, we're going to be checking in with Gina Walsh. She, too, is with the Heat and Frost Insulators. She serves as Deputy Director of the Labor Management Trust. But she's going to zero in on the Tradeswomen Build Nations Conference, which is coming up at the beginning of December. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. The Iron Workers Great Lakes District Council consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this Next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers, oh.aft.org. And speaking of teachers, Pete Almini was in the city of uh, Chicago recently, and he wasn't with teachers. He was with uh, Facility Engineers, Association of Facility Engineers to School Facility Managers. We're talking 300 schools that were represented, and everybody knows schools are always fighting for more money. 
You got uh, funds from the federal, state, and local government, tax levies, which is all under attack right now. So obviously they want to save money. Pete, talk to me about your uh, conversation, very similar to what we talked about in the first segment. And I guess these engineers, I guess you opened their eyes on mechanical insulation. Let's, uh, let's get into that. Go ahead. It was very interesting. I was invited to, invited to sit on a panel uh, in the Chicagoland area and you'd be able to talk to the engineers that run the facilities of school districts in their buildings. And they were probably about maybe 50 to 65 people in the room, but each one represented a district. And some districts were large, some were small, but overall maybe uh, 300 buildings were represented. And on the panel with me, it was extremely interesting for me. Uh, a lot of it was a discussion of uh, artificial intelligence and some of the programs that are available for security uh, in the schools. And the technology, it opened up my eyes. Uh, we talk about security and and you always think, all right, we got to hire more guards, and which is uh, very possible. But also there's a lot of technology out there that's very efficient. And to offer security for our children in, in the schools. But as you said, money's tight for everybody and all over, especially in the schools. And, and I know for a fact, my daughter is a school teacher, and, and I'm amazed how much money comes out of her pocket to be able to have supplies in the classroom. But that's a different, that is a different subject. But even the, uh, the administration of the buildings, you know, they're all under the scrutiny of, of having budgets. And when I was able to discuss the benefits and, uh, of mechanical insulation and how much money that can be saved, I was able to automatically uh, really pique the interest of the facility managers by saying, you know, the money that you can save by making your mechanical insulation more efficient, it may be just enough to be able to afford some of this high security uh, software programs and devices that you can put in your school systems. You know, and it's something that's going to be reflective in your budgets. And I says we're wasting money uh, with energy costs and just simply not addressing the 10 to 30% of the mechanical insulation that's being wasted in our schools. And I made the offer. I said, you need me to come out to your to your, your boards, your committees, your budgetary uh, reviews. I said, we'll go into your schools, and we can choose one school as an example and do a mechanical insulation energy audit that we'll be able to lay out the map and, or map out the uh, ramifications of the insulation that's missing and how much is it costing uh, you, the owner. We'll come out to your in institution and we'll do an evaluation. And don't think for a second, because this is, this is where there's a tremendous amount of ignorance, and I say ignorance in a respectful manner where it means not knowing. There's a lot of energy audits that are being performed to be able to evaluate the energy efficiency of a building. And it's, it's laid out wonderfully, except it does not include mechanical insulation. So you may be receiving an energy audit of a building, 
but chances are it doesn't include a major part of energy savings, and that's going to be the mechanical insulation of the building. And we were, were willing to come into a school, and, or any building for that matter, and do a mechanical insulation audit. And usually, 99 times out of 100, people can't believe the amount of savings that they're going to have simply by making sure that we address the low-hanging fruit and we make sure the mechanical system is properly insulated. So, so Pete, let me ask you, is that going to happen? Is, is there going to be follow-up? Are you going to be able to do those audits? There was, there was one gentleman that, uh, in fact, I was just speaking to him yesterday. He represents 23 buildings in his school district. And I peaked his, I, I peaked his interest enough. He was one of them that really wants to pull in some of this uh, high-tech security uh, in his school to protect the children. And his budget, his budget committee uh, loves the idea of it, but they don't know where the money comes from. And I was able to hit the light bulb uh, in his head, and he says, if I can save money with mechanical insulation, this possibly could afford us the opportunity to buy the security systems that we need in our schools. And we're in discussion right now, and uh, he's looking to get a proper approval and permission and authority, whatever it takes for me to send my team out there to be able to do an evaluation of, of one of his schools. So I'm looking That's forward great. to that. That is awesome. Every school in this country is thinking about security, and rightly so, because of what's been going on for the past uh, couple of decades now. But most recently, it's been atrocious in some uh, in some areas of the country. So it's great that there is a means to find that money, and that would be mechanical insulation. All right, we're going to leave it on that note. Mechanical Insulators, LMCT.com. A lot of information posted there that uh, Pete's talking about, and he is a uh, pushing hard on that federal mechanical insulation act and hopefully uh, when we get this uh, house situation in order perhaps we can move forward on that you take care drive safely uh, we'll talk to you next month okay brother thank you flash and happy halloween <laughs> okay all right we're going to take a quick break gina walsh is with the heat and frost insulator she serves as deputy director of the labor management trust and she's going to talk about the trades women build nations conference Coming up in about uh, six, seven weeks. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. 
SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the U.S., US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce radio and podcast. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. Before we get to Gina Walsh, got to give a plug here to our friends at the Alliance for American Manufacturing. They are preparing the 2023 Made in America gift guide, and they need your help. So if you have a favorite made in the USA company that you think should be included in this year's gift guide, send them an email. Here's the email, gift guide, all one word, gift guide at A-A-M-F-G dot O-R-G. Real simple, gift guide at A-A-M-F-G dot O-R-G. The Made in America holiday gift guide celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. And Scott Paul, who heads the alliance, says it's going to be bigger and better than ever. And they need your help to make it bigger and better than ever. Again, the uh, email is giftguide at aamfg.org. I'm sure you have you have a couple of thoughts there that you could send them about who should be in that gift guide. All right, let's go to St. Louis, Missouri right now. Welcome someone who is no stranger to America's workforce. That would be Gina Walsh. She's been on a number of times. She joined the heat and frost insulators back in the 1970s. Whole different world back then. And she survived. That's the best part. She is the deputy director now of the heat and frost insulators labor management trust. She works with Pete Almini, who we just got off the phone with. But she's here today to talk about the Tradeswomen Build Nations Conference, which is happening in Washington this year, December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Gina Walsh, how's my union sister doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm excited Good. to be here to talk about trade women's build nations. Yeah, yeah. Pete, uh, Pete uh, Almini says hi. He loves working with you. He's working hard on Washington, and uh, it, which is a sad situation considering what's going on right now. But anyway, let, let's zero well, in. He is there while history's being made, that's for sure. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. But anyway, let's talk about this conference coming up. And I know NAB2, the North American Building Trades, Sean McGarvey has been pushing very, very hard. And we've had him on the show talking about this, trying to get uh, females, people of color, minorities, you name it, involved in the trades because there's a lot of wonderful, and I mean wonderful, opportunities out there. So... Talk to me about this. I know you're you're pretty excited about it. Go ahead. Well, I'm so excited that I'm taking a group from St. Louis for, of my family members that are tradeswomen 
and we're all going to participate this year. This three-day conference is so exciting, and each year it gets larger and larger. Last year uh, we had 3,300 women, and we are in track to surpass that. So I hope Washington's ready for us. Uh, it's a three-day con- uh, conference where the women have the opportunity to discuss things that affect just women in construction. And in some cases, it's the first time that women have ever been with other women in the trades because, you know, our numbers are growing, but there's not a lot of us when you spread us across the United States. Last year, uh, it was held in uh, Las Vegas, and uh, we uh, always have good attendance, but we were so surprised at the numbers we had this year. And what happens over this weekend we have uh, workshops that the women can attend. They're held for two days, and we have speakers. We have some expi- exciting speakers this year, but you're not going to like this, Flash, because I am not at liberty to share with you who they are. But I can <laughs> tell you that it's more exciting than any speakers we have ever had before, and I am really geared up and excited for uh, this to happen. I can't wait. It's less than six weeks away. And after after our first plenary session, usually on Saturday, we have a parade. Now, can you imagine 3,000 women walking through the streets of Las Vegas, carrying signs? People thought we were protesting. We had to explain to observers that this parade is a celebration of union sisters, being with other union sisters and showing their union pride. It was... It was uh, it was just fun. It's fun for the women. It's fun for the allies. Our allies that come to support us every year grow each year. Last year, I believe all of the general presidents were in attendance from the 14 different affiliates that are affiliated with NAB2, which is something to boast. This is the largest conference that NAB2 puts on. It's larger than their annual leg conference, legislative conference that they hold every year in D.C. and usually in April. Wow, I didn't realize that. You know, it's it's probably good that it's not going to be in Vegas because they're talking about uh, striking the hotels there, and uh, they took right. a strike vote. Yeah, the culinary workers took a strike vote, and they're we're looking at over a dozen hotels that may be on strike. But this one's going to be in Washington. Okay, you're not at liberty to tell me the lineup. But where are we now? Last year it was over three thousand. What are we knocking on right now for this? Right for this now conference? we're we're twenty four hundred women. Okay, okay, and so, the list is still growing. Yeah, the list grows. I get we get numbers every week, and our numbers jumped. The insulators' numbers jumped by twelve last week, and we're one of the smaller groups. A lot. Some some of the affiliates have over six hundred women attending this. Mm-hmm. Or one of Gina, them do. That's a lot. Yeah. Why don't you give us a, a rundown? We got a pretty broad audience here. I don't know if you know this, but we're in the top one percent of all podcasts in the world right now. So this this year, this show has literally exploded with listenership. So if I'm just wondering, um, people listening right now, what can they expect? And obviously, how do they get involved in this kind of thing? Go. I'm going to let well, you pick what, it up. What they can what they can expect is. It's an atmosphere, you know, I keep using the word excitement, but I cannot think of another word that is more appropriate to describe this. The electricity in the room, 
and the energy is second to none. You know, it's NAB2's largest conference, but it's the largest gathering of tradeswomen in the world. In the world. That's yeah. that's a pretty big... Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty, exactly. Pretty big deal. Uh, you know, it's also not just journeymen. It's apprentices, it's journeymen, it's their business agents, it's their general presidents, it's their apprenticeship coordinators. Every year we get more and more attendance and more and more people show up to uh, participate in our workshops that we have finally started putting a workshop in there that our allies can attend and benefit from. It opens at 10 a.m. on Friday and it runs through Sunday afternoon with uh, different workshops, some of them on safety, some of them how teaching women, not teaching women, but discussing workplace violence. Believe it or not, in 2023, that is a huge issue for these women that oftentimes people go to work and don't feel safe. Yeah. So we we work to help them traverse that and other issues. Is Some issues we still talk about appropriate safety equipment for women. There is not a lot of places out there that pr- provide these kind of things, and they're, they're important. You have you can't perform your job if you're not if you're not safe if you're not comfortable if you're not comfortable in your own skin when you're doing your day to day tasks and that that includes safety equipment uh, how you feel about walking on the job site all these things so the it's really interesting how this comes together a lot of work goes into this the members of the women's committee for NAB two is split into committees that work on this. I'm on the parade committee. So that means that we have to coordinate with the uh, police department in whichever city we're in to make sure that we can walk through the streets and that they're prepared to handle the crowd. We're going to have to get whatever right now, 2,400 women out on the streets of D.C. around the Hilton quickly and orderly to do our parade. And, you know, it's about a mile mark walk three quarters of a mile I think they timed it at so through the hills there in Washington DC and they get pretty excited they're rowdy and they're loud and they're proud (laughs) they're proud of what they're doing there they've all got on their union swag and they're carrying their affiliate signs and they're just celebrating and these workshops every year we we had more workshops uh last year we did one be that one guy and it explained to men, how they can support women, our, you know, our foremen, our, just our brother members, how they can support women on the job site, you know, be that guy that steps up. This year, mm-hmm. I think we are highlighting, and I can't recall off the top of my head, but we're highlighting another program that's similar but different in one of the other trades. So it's, it's, uh, it's worth every minute that you're there, and each year... Well, we grow because when a new person shows up, they're there. They're a believer, and they're there every year after that. I've been going, I think, since 2012, maybe, mm-hmm. before it was before NAB2 handled it, before it was handled by uh, Building Trades in California. The California State Building Trades was always the host and the organizer, and it got so large that NAB2's Women's Committee took it over, and we've been doing it ever since. 
Gina, the best part of this, too, there, there's so many stories out there. Your story is compelling in itself. And uh, I know you shared it with our listeners in past shows. But, I mean, you think about all these women that are there and the folks that are facilitating these uh, workshops. There's going to be so many stories that will be shared and the issues that need to be confronted. And it's all going to wrap up in, in three days. It's amazing. I didn't realize that this conference was so large. Let's do this right now. Um, what is the best website, phone number? What information can you give us right now for those listening to go to the Trades Women Build Nations Conference in uh, Washington, D.C., coming up in December? It's real simple, flash, nab2.org. And there's a big banner when the page opens up. says, click here for more information on uh, uh, Trade Women's Build Nations. You click on that, the registration is there. Everything about the event is right there online. Okay, good. I uh, I did check it out the other day, and you were mentioning the hotel. It looks like it's filling up pretty quick, too. But, you know, there's a lot of hotels in Washington, but the main hotel, I guess, where the conference is, is pretty, pretty booked right now. The main well, hotel has been booked since six hours after we opened the registration. I believe <laughs> that there are six others listed there that we have, uh, um, NAB2 has an incredible staff, and we are quite appreciative to them. The women that are on this committee, we have other jobs and other responsibilities to our own unions, and the NAB2 staff works hard on this conference, and I don't know how they do it, but every time a hotel fills up, you open that up, and there's another one on the list there for women to go to. So we hope that... Um, we are accommodating. I know they're accommodating, so I hope that they are appreciated as much as this committee appreciates their hard work. That's amazing. Six hours after registration, it was uh, sold out. Well, that is a true testimony of what's going on at the Trades Women Build Nation Conference. Again, it's going to be in Washington, D.C., December 1st through the 3rd. NAB2.org. Go to that website and get all the information that's uh, that's needed for this. Gina, you take care. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to doing this again with you, okay? All right, thanks. Have a great day. All right, that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, the Government Affairs Director of the AFL-CIO, Bill Samuel. That and more. Until then, all of you, have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.